Hi guys and welcome to the Rugby Collective podcast. This is episode 12 and we'll be looking at some previous fixtures from the Gallagher Premiership as well as a take, taking a look forward to some of the future fixtures. We've also been joined by Jake Morris, Gloucester winger, who will be giving us a bit of an insight on life at Gloucester at the moment and we might have a couple of transfer rumours along the way too. Hello everyone, welcome back to the latest episode of the Rugby Collective. James, how, how have you been? How, how was your head on New Year's Day? I haven't spoken to you since. Uh, it was alright mate, I had a quiet one, quiet Christmas in general. How was your Christmas like? Yeah, Christmas was lovely, Christmas was lovely. New Year's Day I definitely had a, a serious um, sore head. Right, how much rugby did you watch then over the over the festive period? Because I actually watched quite a bit. Yeah, I watched... I didn't actually watch that much this weekend. I watched more actually on Boxing Day, and we're not really going to go over those fixtures. But um, yeah, I, I did. It was, yeah, as I said, I had quite a quiet one. So I managed to watch a lot of sport with the football and everything. So, But yeah, this weekend was interesting. It's a shame we didn't manage to get one done last week because I reckon the Boxing Day fixtures were actually a bit more exciting, especially with the score lines when you look at this week nobody really got those big big numbers but still some good games yeah and I, well i mean we can touch on the on the boxing day fixture shortly if you if you wanted to i think one of the obviously the, the big one to pop out was the the leicester bristol game at ashton gate um it was as soon as that ball went out and it was called a knock-on and uh and leicester had, had ball like when the clock was in the red you just knew what was happening didn't you you just knew straight away leicester are going to score here as they always do and yeah, what a, what a game. What a game. I think, Who's going to beat them? Yeah, I think as well, it's the seasons. It showed their seasons, didn't it? It showed where Bristol are lacking. Um, it's not quite happening for them, is it? And Leicester just can't stop winning. Uh, several weeks now, we said they've not been probably at their best and they're just grinding out the results. Um, it, and it's unfortunate, really, for Bristol because it's probably one of their better performances um, in a while. But yeah, just can't seem to get that win. Um, and that kind of continued this week as well. But yeah, uh, I think the only, uh, the big, obviously Bath getting battered like that by Gloucester's never fern. Um, and Sarri's absolutely dicking Worcester. Um, was an interesting one. But yeah, apart from that, uh, yeah, look at this week, I think. Uh, and uh, as you said, Sale Wasps. What did you make of that? Um... It was, yeah. I, th- I think it's. A... To remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm struggling <laughs> to think of all I can. When I think back to that, all I can think of is a Indian mega mix grill, and that's I'm struggling to uh, to get my head around it. What I can tell you was how good was it to see AJ McGinty back at um back at fly off pulling the strings um just for one. I thought he was fantastic again. Um, obviously going to Bristol at the end of the season, but. Yeah, he's a top player. And we, to be honest, we've seen a little bit of inconsistency from Sale this season. We've seen some some real good performances where they've they've come out and looked real sort of formidable side. We've seen some other ones where you're not quite having the the desired impact from a lot of players. But to be honest, I thought this was one of um, Sale's better performances. Wasps will feel a bit hard done by, but um, it's nice to see they've got a few a uh, few of their big names coming back into the into the fray. I think you watched a bit more of this one than I did. So what, what do you think? Yeah. I- did and I, yeah, I think it's probably Sale's best game. Maybe I haven't watched every minute of every game, but yes, as we said, you said Sale have had good spits and spots. You look at London Irish, 
when they went miles ahead. Um, that was probably the best rugby we've played all season. But yeah, AJ McGinty coming back. I didn't realise he was Irish until his after interview. I because he plays for America, I just assumed he was American. Um, Even with yeah. a name like McGinty. Well, I don't know. He's he plays for America. I just assumed, and then he comes. Oh, he's got a thick Irish accent, and I was like, oh, oh, well then. <laughs> um, learns that in you every day. Uh, but yeah, Sale were good, but I think they'll look at the second half and not being able to really push on because you look at their games and they've not really put a full 80 together. And yes, they were very de- defensively solid, but yeah, they didn't really put... Uh, even their try in the second half was obviously a massive overthrow from Wasps, which Ben Curry was quickly on and kind of lent, it was a bit of a dodgy try because it looked like he crawled towards the line. So I reckon on another day, that's not a given because he, he's kind of crawled there. And then you look, then they've not scored any points in that second half. And I think it also shows... It's another thing as well, when you've got your fly-off coming in who hasn't really played the season in McGinty and he's playing on top form like he was, and then obviously Umanga, who's banned, not playing for Wasps, it's really going to dent them, isn't it? Yeah, I think if, if we can just touch on Umanga for, for, a, for sort of a, a quick second, um, I think there was no doubt that it was a red card um, and I think that the ban's probably fit in for, for the instant that... Um, that happened, but since Marcus Smith has hit sort of like the the real headlines and, and come through as a as a lion and and all of these sort of things, the battle between him and Imago has sort of fallen off a bit. Um, but I think Imago deserves a lot more credit than um, than he's getting at the moment. I think he's been really good for Wasps, and he's been one of those consistent performers that that in a sort of a changing team with a load of injuries and COVID cases and all of that sort of or, and all of that sort of side of things. He's just been super consistent. He's his game management's pretty good. He's got a wicked step. He, he he's pretty quick on the ball, and and he's got pretty good in game kicking too. And in fact, I'd probably say the highlight of his game is his in game kicking. So yeah, I think I think yeah, I think he needs a bit more credit than than what he's getting at the moment. Yeah, and I think if if you took Smith out, he probably would be knocking on the door of an England call up. But obviously. George Ford can't currently get on the team. He's probably the form 10 in the league. So, yeah, he's going to struggle. But, yeah, I think, as you you said, um, was so much changing there with the players this season. You look and the back line changes. Gopper plays flipping everywhere just to cover in for whoever's missing that week. Um, But I think listening to uh, some things, they've got Fekitoa's back soon. I believe Launchery's back soon. Um, I can't remember who asked, but somebody else. And obviously they've got Barbary back who looked good. But I think the, the thing for Wasps was they really struggled to get over the game line, especially towards the end. They had the ball pretty much solidly for the last 10 minutes just to try and get back in. And they they, they were just slamming against a, a, a solid brick wall, really, with sales defence. And there was not a lot they could do to um, get through it. I know they scored, obviously, the late try, which really didn't matter because it was after the clock got in the red. But, uh, yeah, they, they pretty much solidly, and it was, I think it was a bit frustrating watching them, especially if a Ross, Ross fans, not being able to move the ball at all, really, and just running forward straight into forwards. But against Sale, that doesn't really work because Sale's got probably the biggest pack in the league. So you're not going to be able to bully them like that. No, I agree. And I just sort of on Ross while we're, while we're talking about this fixture, I um, have heard a little bit of a transfer rumour. 
Well, you love a rumour, don't you? I do love a rumour. It has been known. It has been known. And I think this the, the Wasps fans beat me to this because it has been banded around their socials a little bit um, already. But uh, Piers O'Connor, supposedly out of contract at the end of this season. Um, I've heard that uh, that Wasps are potentially looking for him. Um, oh, I tell you what. <laughs> if I was a Wasp fan, based on him this season, I wouldn't really want him. <laughs> I don't know what you're so horrible about Piers O'Connor. Brist- Bristol Bears as a team aren't going too well. But you look at when they were on front foot sort of rugby last season, Piers O'Connor was electric and he was he was an absolute f- at the forefront of that of that attacking system. And I think I think if if you get Wasps, if he goes to Wasps, I think you've got a pretty solid back row there. I think it would the only thing if, if we're talking row. about a f- what did I say? You said back row, mate. Did Piers I? O'Connor's- I did not mean back row. I meant um, back line is what you I meant. There's a flanker. Oh, yeah. Change. Mate, mix it up. If he's going there as a flanker, ah, oh, brilliant deal. <laughs> get Eddie Jones in, get Piers O'Connor <laughs> in as a flanker. Um, let's get Bialo B- in as fullback. Um, and we'll just get it. We'll get it all mixed up. No, if, I think the, the one effect that it would have if you brought him in is I could see, and this is talking about a, a fully fit Wasps, which does seem like an urban legend at the moment. But um, a fully fit Wasps, you'd probably see a dog would back out wide rather than through the 13 channel. And then maybe see someone like Fekatoa through 12, Piers O'Connor through 13. Um, you're obviously looking at, at the pack they've got at the moment. Um, fully fit is pretty exception, exceptional. Vincent Cock coming in. Wasps could be in for a pretty serious season next next year. Um, yeah. The problem with that, and I know they have had all the injury problems, but that's what we said last season. Um and I know the season before they got to the Premiership final, but they weren't crap for half the season then. And then they went on this amazing run. So, yeah, I think it's it's a lot of ifs and buts with Wasps, isn't it, quite often. Um, but also, I would like to hear, your, obviously they've got Le Bourgeois already there. Would you say Le Bourgeois is worse than Piers O'Connor? Better? Or the same level? To be fair, they're both pretty, pretty on That's point, aren't they? I, I do get what you mean, but it depends what sort of role you play them in. Um, I personally wouldn't want... I, I, I think Piers O'Connor's strengths come from playing in the wide channel, so I'd want him as either a 13 or even on the wing. That's where I, I see him best. But I think Le Bourgeois is much more of a playmaker, I think, in that sense. Uh, I think he plays... Yeah, I'd say I don't think he. he it, they're, they're two different players. I don't think you can really say which one's better and which one's worse because they excel at different things. I think, but I know you're trying to stitch me up with saying someone's shit, even when no, you're I'm like, not, I'm, not. I'm just, just giving Piers O'Connor grief. No, I'm just saying you forgot about him and would he start? And also, the thing about Le Bourgeois that frustrates me is he goes down injured about five times a game, I swear, and they just, you're like, oh, he's done. Oh, he gets back up again. He does it all the time. And I don't know whether that's just because they can't afford his uh, uh, medical bills because they've got too many, or whether he's just hard as nails and likes to to take a break. Well, he's pretty good, though. Yeah, no, he is good, but he just seems to go down and then like I'm no, like, that's fair. Stretch Armstrong's weight. Like carries on, uh, but yeah, for sale, I think good omens for the rest of the season. Obviously, we know how good they are or can be. Um, if they can get Faf back, I don't know what that prognosis is, but I think he should be back. And all Rafi Quirk. Um, hey, I've got another Jim- transfer rumor, James. James, I've got another oh, transfer rumor. Let me finish my piece. Uh, with Rafi Quirk or 
Faf, uh, did I have a good end to the season? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, hit, hit me with your rumour. I think Faf's going. Well, yeah, but it'll be at the end of the season, won't it? Yeah, but I think he's going. It depends when he comes back from his injury and stuff. Yeah. I if, thought it was around this sort of time. Is, is that not right? I don't know. I, I'm not sure, mate, to be honest. I, I don't know. All I've heard that he might be um, he might be on the way out the door, along with a couple of other... Uh, yeah, I, well, I don't know this for certain, but from from what I'm I'm hearing from the sale fans, um, apparently he is he is going. Um, and I think career is it as well? Uh, is he meant to be going to Edinburgh? I thought I heard something. Like yeah, JB, I think he might be right there actually. JB Depreer going to obviously they brought in Johnny Hill, um, and I'd imagine they're sailing quite close to the salary cap. So, uh, and George Ford's obviously coming in. So. It'll be interesting to see if they can really replace Faf or not, or whether they spent the money on George Ford. Why spend the money when you've got Rafi Quirk coming through? Very true. But they'll... No, they, no, they don't really. They, they've been playing with their third 10 as their first 10 anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Does yeah, well, I, I think if, you, if you've got a player like Rafi Quirk coming through and the performance that he's having at the moment, he's fantastic. And then also, you look at Will Cliff as well, also having a great season. So I don't think they'll be... I don't think they'll be really desperate to, to bring a, another world-class nine in anyway. Maybe they'll go for sort of a replacement player at nine, but I don't think they'll be going for, for um, a FAF level uh, scrum half to come in. Um, Is there anybody of a FAF level? Yeah, uh, only a couple though. I think there is literally like, he is top three probably. DuPont, Aaron Smith. Yeah, I think, I think that is the three. Yeah, I think most, and I think to be honest, DuPont's put himself a bit clear recently. Um, but yeah, 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 his performances in the Champions Cup were a different class. And I but, think Faf being injured hasn't helped either. But it's quite it's in terms of the um the the sort of leaderboard, the, the table, um that yeah. now takes Sale and Wasps joint on 24 points. So you've got Newcastle, Sale and Wasps all on eleven games with 24 points. Um so that's your eight, nine, ten. Uh, there, so it's quite a big game for Sale really to, to keep themselves in touching distance because obviously if you see that turnover with with Wasps taking the points, it makes a little bit of a gap for them there. But they've really um, brought them back into to touching distance of that top eight. Um, I'm hearing people say top four for Sale if they get a good run on. I can't see it happening personally. Do you see them getting top four? I can't see that. I think it depends on other teams. I think if you look at Sale, I think they've absolutely got the capabilities to be to be to get to that that standard. But I think if you look at the yeah. teams, Quinns are going really well. Exeter are going really well, or starting to go a bit better, I should say. Northampton are going really well. You never really know what you're going to get with Irish, but they're looking pretty strong, um, sort of all round the park. Gloucester are looking looking strong as well, despite a loss this week. Um, it would be a hell of an effort, but I don't. I, I wouldn't completely rule it out. But no, there you go. What do I know? I would say probably eighty-five percent not. Tell you what, why are you so horrible? Why, why yeah, are you so horrible? No, I think I think yeah, that's Eighty-five percent not likely. I think that's probably about about right. No, I'd sure. agree. I'd agree. I think. What they're, they're about fifteen points behind, aren't they? Uh, Ten points behind fourth, I believe. Yeah. Still. So yes, they are ten points behind Gloucester, who are in fourth. 
So I guess their thing is that because they got so many South Africans, they don't lose that many players for England or the Six Nations, do they? That that not. is a good point. To be fair, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's not too many that would would come out at that sort of time, is there? But and again, it, I think it's dependent on other teams. I think if if they all put a consistent run together, it's great. But it only depends if if other teams above them start struggling, in my opinion, anyway. But th- there was there's another game on the Saturday as well. Um, so Exeter actually played Bristol Bears at Sandy Park. Um, I think this was one of Exeter's better games, I'd say, this season. Um, I thought Henry Purdy coming on off the bench was an absolute revelation. I thought he was top class. Uh, probably my man of the match, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, Exeter looked a bit better. But it's two teams who aren't really going as well as, as most expected this season. And obviously with the news that Sam Skinner's off going back to Scotland and, and Johnny Hill's making his way um, uh, to sale as well. Uh, there's a couple of departures from from Chiefs, but they're, they're looking to, to finish out strong, I think. Yeah, I think you look at Exeter. I think it's it's the it shows the difference in these two teams. I think both of them are having poor seasons, but you look at Exeter are still managing to grind out the wins and still. And I think that's just overall where Exeter are slightly better than Bristol um, currently. I think most people would agree. Overall, their squad's probably slightly stronger, and especially when you take out someone like a Semi Rodrada, obviously he's just come back, but. Um, yeah, good result for Exeter. Uh, just got the win. I think it's interesting you say Purdy, man. I'd probably say Hog. It's probably Hog, one of Hog's better showings in a left, uh, Exeter shirt. Overall, I don't think he's been as good as when you see him in a, um, a Scotland jersey. I think that's fair enough to say. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I think this was definitely one of his stronger, stronger showings. And yeah, it was really just a, a job done sort of game, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And I think that's exactly what it was. It's tough, isn't it? Because you look at the leaderboard and you think Bristol sitting down at 12th, um, starting to, to, well, Worcester are now four points ahead. So they're going to need at least a win to, to get into touch with Worcester, let alone overtake them. Um, but in, in the table, you look at Bristol as an easy game. But then you look at their side and you look at the way they play, they're not an easy game at all. And you've still got to be, be on top of your, your own game. To, to come away with those points. And I think, as you say, Exeter managed to grind that out. Um, and, and you often see with with teams that have announced that they're losing certain players, um, they they slightly lose interest and you don't see them feature at the same standard they were. But I thought Sam Skinner and Johnny Hill both had a, a great performance in that second row as well. Um, I'd rather about... look... Oh, sorry. No, you carry on. Well, that was interesting as well. I thought, touching on Hogg, because there was lots of rumours he was going back up to Scotland as well. And he confirmed that he was going to be staying at Exeter, so that's a big plus for them. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be um, a, a lot of people pretty delighted with that, myself included, because I do think he's a bit of a box office player. And I think Tom O'Flaherty, Stuart Hogg, and Jack Knoll—that was a hell of a back three. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to touch on Semi Radrada, um, Randrandra, Radradra, however you however you do pronounce it, uh, either of the uh, either of the three. Um, I think when he's been in the side now for the last couple of games, the attacking structure has already gotten better with him just being in there. He's only playing, I'd say, 50% to his capability. It was by it was by far 
it was not the best game we've seen from him at all. But I think the the signs of their attacking structure are starting to come back into play slightly, not as they'd want and not as we've seen, but um, they're definitely starting to come come back in. So it's good to see that um, that sort of partnership come through. Um, on that, Harry Randall, unbelievable. I think he's got to be in that England setup come Six Nations time. Yeah, and I think he will be. Uh, I think you look at how good he is and the fact he's been injured as well hasn't helped Bristol season. And obviously, Rodrana, he was obviously European Player of the Year a couple of years ago. So missing that him is going to be massive. But you say about their attack, and yeah, it's not quite there because obviously the only try they scored was the parody intercept. Um, and if you're only scoring an intercept and a couple of penalties, you're not you're not going to win many games, really. Um but yeah, I think yeah, when he gets going, you saw it against Gloucester um, when he made his comeback straight away, offload. Bristol hadn't really shown anything first half, and straight immediately he created an opportunity. So he is just a brilliant player, uh, and it is going to take time to get him fully match fit. But I think what you're seeing currently is just a team down on confidence, um, and they're not quite at it. And it means they're going to lose these where it's kind of the opposite to Leicester, where Leicester are so confident that they almost can't lose. Um, Bristol have kind of got the opposite and they're losing when they, well, not this week necessarily, but maybe last week against Leicester. Um, they should have won, really. Uh, and they're not quite seeing out these games. But I think they'll only need one, one or two results. Maybe if they can get um, a good result. But then we said we fought that again. Was it Northampton a few weeks ago, where they beat Northampton? Uh, pumped? No, they didn't beat Northampton. They beat they beat pumped Worcester, twenty seven five after beating Irish, and we thought, oh, maybe that's the turning point. So maybe not. But hope they're hoping a few more players back, and then just get a few run of results and try and get in that top eight. I think that's the target for Bristol this season. Then, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it has to be. I think. How far out of touch are they? Um, not that far. So they're eight points away from eighth. But obviously, you've got a few teams to overtake on, on your way back through to that eighth spot. But obviously, we're not even halfway through the season yet. So there's there's a way That's to a go. Thing, Weird yeah. how it's, we're not halfway yet. I think you look at it in that sense, and there's a long way to go. Have you look at it in the way of from fourth... Um, from fourth to sixth, what was that? 18 points. So this, I know it's a lot of points, but it's not. It, what's that? Four wins, essentially. You've got to get four four wins. You're four wins away, essentially, with, with other results going your way as well. So it's not completely unachievable. I don't think it'll happen personally, and it's a hell of a long shot, but it's not like you're, you're 30 points out of the running already. You're, you're, still, you're still within touch of the group, let's say, rather than you're not going to get to the top, but you're within touch of the group. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think I think they'll only they'll hit their stride, won't they? And it'll be interesting to see how they perform next season with obviously the arrival of Ellis Genge and um, the arrival of McGinty. AJ McGinty. Um, and also, one thing to keep your eye on is it'd be interesting to see what happens to Callum Sheedy, whether he stays in and maybe adapts to a new position. Maybe AJ plays it. At twelve or fifteen, not too sure, but we'll we'll see we'll see what happens there. Um, one more thing to touch on just before we move on: how good is Fitzharden? I think he's one of the best youngsters in the league, especially one of the best young forwards in the league. Yeah, he is very very solid just all round. I think, and as you said, so 
or young still not so young but like young still so yeah it's just impressive to see him work I, th I think that one of the most uh, one of the most impressive things that you, you look for when you're looking at these younger players is do they look like a younger player and I don't think he does he just oozes professionalism and the finish he scored underneath Nemanja Nadolo to get a second drive off before hitting the deck is shows immense power and for a player of his age that's it's fantastic and he's got a step of gas to him as well so useful that you can have him in the in the six or the eight jersey too which obviously not everyone can do um but good result for Exeter uh keeps them in the touch of that top four um and a loss to Gloucester helped that as well didn't it so so obviously the the game where Gloucester lost 17 20 to Harlequins um yeah keeps Gloucester in fourth um and then pushes Quinns uh a bit further away from from Gloucester um uh, with 38 points now sat in third. I think. I think Gloucester were third going into the game. Yeah, I think you might be right, actually. I think you might be right, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, interesting game. Uh, well, actually, it was kind of a boring game, not going to lie. Uh, but, yeah, Quinns, I think, showed that extra bit of class that they have. Um, I think everyone can see... I think... Gloucester are getting there, but I don't think Gloucester are quite there, where I think Quinns are there, pretty much. Um, but I think where you look at Gloucester, and we've spoken about before, Esther Hazen is so big for Quinns. And I know he got man of the match, and I know he was amazing. But in general, Esther Hazen, in attack, got shut down very quickly. Um, and so did Dombrand. And if you take out those two players, it goes massively towards stopping Quinns. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, I think Ruan Ackerman and Geordie Reid did a pretty good job at stopping Alex Dombrant through the game. Um, I think Tyrone Green was fairly quiet. Um, Marcus yeah. Smith didn't have his best game. Obviously, he's only just come back from COVID, so you can't expect him to be playing a, an 11 out of 10 like we used to see him from him. He was still very good, and I think that the, the worrying thing is Marcus Smith seven out of ten is another player's nine ten out of ten um so yeah but it was it wasn't his best game but um but Esther Hazen yeah really took the took the limelight there and not only is he gets a lot of plaudits for his his attacking play sort of his his, his hard lines um his kicks to the corner his in-game kicks um the way he ties everyone else in but his defensive ability is crazy man as soon as that that ruck is formed, he's there and he's he's, he's pulling that ball back up. Um, I, I don't know the exact number of turnovers turnovers he got, but every single phase it seemed like he was over that ball, um, either winning a penalty or, or giving his team some uh, uh, a regain of possession. So yeah, I just think he's he's top class. And he, we were speaking before we we started recording, weren't we, James? How what does it take to get him into that South Africa jersey? Yeah, I mean, he, he did sound a bit dejected. He got asked it after um, the game. Uh, and he did sound a bit put off, really, that he's not even been in contact with them. And you, can own, you can't blame him because he's, he's absolutely brilliant. I think it was like three or four turnovers in the game. He Yeah, and it was almost like, oh, OK, you can stop me in attack, but you can't stop me in defence. And yeah, Gloucester couldn't move him once he was over the ball. And even when Gloucester defended, de defended him so well, he had that one break where he made about 30 metres and pretty much the, uh, Quinn scored a try off it. So it doesn't. It, you can defend him well for 79 minutes. It's only like one minute you slip off a tackle and it, it's done. Uh, but yeah, I think, as you said, all these Lewis Liner, another one, very quiet. Gloucester, I think March and Gloucester have to be 
proud of their effort that they kept probably the league's best attack as quiet as they did. Um, and we, realistically, for the pretty much the entirety of the second half, with their backs against the wall, keeping Quinns out majorly, um, I think it was good effort. But yeah, I think it's just Gloucester's attack. Uh, they need to be able to progress the ball further at the pitch because you look at majority of the game, it was only when Quinns were giving up penalties that they could push themselves at the pitch. So um, you need to work on that. But they didn't almost score the try of the season until Varvel Pavarovsky knocked it on over the line. But can't have everything. And how, how good was that? How, I think my favourite part of that was the Lloyd Evans step and little handoff where Joe Marchant actually got to the point of falling over and, and tackling his teammate, um, which is always entertaining to watch. But as you say, if that was Gloucester last season... We would have seen tries going in all over the place. We would have seen a dodgy set piece. We would have seen no real control at all in defence. Um, but what it just shows that the sort of improvement they've taken and losing by three points to the champions when you when your backs up against the wall for about seventy minutes of it. Um, yeah, they've got to, got to take credit for that. But Quinns look back to be where they um, where they were last season and, and really uh, pushing forward with that. And I think they've they've almost cemented their position in that top four now. Um, I can't see them dropping back out of there. Um, a disappointing game for for Northampton. Um, getting beat 30 points to six at home at Franklin's Gardens by Saracens, um, especially when you're six all at half times. It's got to be quite um, quite disheartening, hasn't it? Yeah, I didn't see much of this game. But yeah, not a not a good. Uh, result for them. I think it, it's kind of been a bit of Northampton season um, where they do pull out these weird shock smashings. They seem to be very good most of the time, but then they can they are susceptible to the odd um, battering, which is is not 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 normally um, what you want to see. And it has just taken them slightly away. I think they were third going into the Christmas period, just before the Christmas period. And obviously now they've dropped right out of that because they lost um, both their games because obviously they lost to Quinns the week before that. So, yeah, not, not an ideal couple of weeks, especially as they may struggle going into Six Nations. We saw in the Autumn Internationals when they lost some players, how that really affected them. And they were nowhere near as strong. Um so it, it maybe slightly worrying times if you want top four for Saints, but yeah, it's against Sarri, so probably the best, if not well, you've got to give Leicester the best team. But clear, I don't think they're the top two are quite clear currently of of who, how good they are and who you want to face. So not really a shock Sarri's one. Yeah, and I think I think for for Northampton, I think the as you say, the worrying thing is they're now in, in sixth place. So they've got, a, they're only four points away from the top four. So they're not out of it yet. And I, I don't doubt for a minute that they'll keep competing for the rest of the season. Um, but obviously we know they lose a lot of players through international time, which is just around the corner. Um, I don't, I don't see them at all dropping out fully out, out of that top four race, but it will be a worry for them. They have done, bearing in mind that the, the sort of position and, and state they run at the start of the season. Um, so it'd be an interesting one for sure to see see where they um they finish. But I, I don't think they'll be too worried. And as you say, Saris are just on form at the moment. And I don't think anyone wants to play Saracens or Leicester at, at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it was just um, it was the Alex Lazowski show. I, d- I didn't watch all of it, but he was just kicking for fun. 
he, he's so useful to have as a 10, 12 and 13 player. Um, but yeah, I think whenever you lose to Saris, it's never really a surprise, is it? No, I think that, well, they have the capabilities as they've shown over their dominance, really. Um, before they went down, that they, they can be anyone, multiple European champions, multiple league titles. Uh, but yeah, and also good news for them, obviously the Vunapola brothers, both rumoured to be going elsewhere, both recommitted. Um, yeah, so that, that is big. That is big for sure. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be delighted with that. Um, one thing is that they did have a, an injury list come out today, and if, if, I think it's seven injuries they've got at the moment. Um, and Jackson Ray's currently suffering a, a fractured skull. Um, so all the best to, to Jackson Ray with his recovery on that one. Um, yeah, any injury is nasty, but a fractured skull, that seems to be a, right at the top of the list of the ones I do not want. Um, yeah, so yeah. That- I, I didn't see when this... I, did this happen this weekend? I wasn't sure. Um, um, I actually don't know, to be honest. I, I'm not too sure, but... Um, I saw that, and I thought, that's quite nasty. Um, obviously, it's going to take a, a fair while to recover that, because you, you can't be rushing back from that and risk your head. So he may be out for a large majority of the rest of the season, so that's not going to be ideal for them, especially as such a solid stall in that series team. Yeah, and uh, on, on some good news on, on injury front for them, uh, Owen Farrell is coming back at the end of this month. Um, and I don't think that uh, Duncan Taylor will be too far behind him either, um, which will obviously be a boost for for Saris when they, when they do come back. Um, last well, Farrell game, will go back to England, money. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I think Taylor, obviously, would be a bigger one because as you lose those internationals, he, he often does quite a good job at coming in and filling in with a couple of those... Um, positions but yeah it's almost a little bit too convenient isn't it that that Farrell all of a sudden comes back a week or two before he has to travel back to the England camp um he'll no doubt be picked but for that squad um but yeah make, make of that what you will um and then the final game of, of this weekend um Leicester versus Falcons what happened to the Falcons they got they got absolutely Leicester didn't they yeah ouch um they're the ones whose season really seems to be falling apart, well, apart from Bath. But Bath season never really got going. Um, so Newcastle, yeah, the, their season seems to be falling apart. Um, they were, I think you looked at them and they were a solid defence and they were trying to add some attacking flair to that. And um, they seem to now be doing neither. They're not particularly attacking and scoring lots of points and they're not that good defensively. Um so yeah, worrying times I think at Newcastle. Yeah, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because obviously you see the the win against Exeter, which is obviously a great win, but then you've got the draw against Worcester at home, probably a game you'd expect them to be winning, um, yeah. and then you've got uh, you've got a loss against London Irish, and then obviously you've got the 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 bye week, and then and then the loss against Leicester. So it's. It's, it's three on the it's three three negative results on a row now. I'd probably say, um, but a positive for them outside of the the results is that they've just uh, in in the England under twenty squad that just been uh, pulled up. Um, they've actually got five players in that, which is a, a huge boost for for a club like that to have five players going into that. And I believe it's actually the most um, players from any one given club. So so credit to Newcastle for that. They've clearly got some bright sparks coming through, um, which will be exciting to see them. 
come into action sooner rather than later. But what is there to say about Leicester? Just so consistent and just just doing bits, just literally doing bits. But just get a bit boring now, isn't it? Like, come on, lose. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> isn't it? I don't think they'll do the season. Well, I'm almost positive that they won't do the season unbeaten. Um, I think there's some Saris fans that should would argue that they already shouldn't be doing the season unbeaten. But um, yeah, they 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 are so solid. They're very good everywhere, and they're just George Ford is unbelievable. Ben Youngs is playing so well again, um, and obviously their pack's great. So it'll be interesting to see when they finally lose. I think it is a when and not an if. But, I mean, they got Wasps this weekend. You'd fancy them to win that. And then they go to Sale away. And I think that could be a big one. Um, this is just the league, obviously. I think Sale away, if Sale can get a positive result this weekend, get a bit of confidence going in, into, and uh, maybe get a few players back, uh, have... AJ McGinty on form. That'll be a big, big test um, against a Leicester pack that likes to dominate. Are they will they be able to dominate against a Sale pack that's as big as that? It'll be interesting to see if Sale can try and get some momentum going. Yeah, and I, I think one one bit we will say. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a time where there was a scrum um, where Leicester had Nick Dolly playing six, Kinney Muravunvalo. Uh, excuse my pronunciations. Uh, let's just call him Kinney. Um, playing on the other side, uh, and then Harry Wiles, um, uh, it was either Harry Wiles or George Martin playing at, playing at eight, so uh, a hooker, a winger, and a second row playing in that, um, in, in that <laughs> as a back row, which is obviously not conventional, but they won a penalty off the the, the scrum, so what can you do when they're, they're just throwing players about like that? Didn't Harry Potter score a try, um, it was the last play of the game, wasn't it, to get the bonus points, so it's not even like they're just settling for, oh, we've won, Last play of the game, getting bonus points. Just it's just everything's going for them at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and they are a fantastic side. And credit to to everyone in that um, in that Leicester uh, setup because it is from where they come from. I don't think anyone was predicting them to be first at this point, let alone unbeaten through this um, through this period. So yeah, credit to Leicester. They've been absolutely fantastic. It wasn't like any of anybody predicted them to be back sixth in the league, was it? I don't know who'd do that. But there we go. There we go. Right, so we've actually got um, a bit of a treat for you all now. We've got our, our first player interview um, for for the Rugby Collective and uh, uh, we'll be joined by Jake Morris. So we'll, we'll see you in just a second. Welcome to a very special guest, Jake Morris. Thanks for joining us, mate. How, how's your New Year's been? Just told me you had a bit of a bit of a nightmare on New Year's. A bit of a nightmare, yeah. A bit of a, a bit of a car accident, but hey, mate, it was all right. It was good in general, mate. It's good in general. I had a good Christmas period, and um, and yeah, so it was it was nice nice to uh, have a little break from rugby uh, on Christmas Day. So yeah, nice to see the family. Yeah, that's it, mate. And we will just reassure everyone: Jake is okay, and he is still okay <laughs> to play. <laughs> Everything is okay. Um, yeah, I thought we'd just jump into it. Obviously, Gloucester are on a bit of a good run at the moment. Um, loving life going down to King's Home. Obviously, I've got, still got my season ticket sorted, so loving life in the shed at the moment. Um, obviously, one of the academy prospects coming through and really starting to be, well, getting getting yourself some first-name opportunities now and, and impressing every time you do it. 
when did you first sort of get into the academy and at what point did you really think yeah I've got a, a good chance of making it yeah um yeah so I, I I joined the academy it was under 13s as part of like it was called the DPP back then it was like some called like development player program I think it stood for um and I remember getting sat down in a meeting and they sort of said there was like 250 of lo- of like us local boys from schools clubs and uh they basically sat us down and showed us showed us the plan of how the academy system works and it said oh you start off with 250 of us boys at the bottom of the scale and it said well there's only going to be five or ten of you actually signing professional contracts at the end so you sat around that room thinking oh that's never going to be that's never going to be me you know (laughs) um you know uh, so at the start you sort of did it more just because you well you love playing rugby you love you love being able to go back to school saying oh you know I'm I'm in the gloss of the DPP you know Uh, it's a bit like that um, and then it was, the bragging rights. It was yeah basically a little bit of bragging rights over your schoolmates really and then um, I think it was it was about under 16s when I actually started um, putting on a bit of size and actually growing um, and I actually started getting a, that's when I actually started starting in the academy games like before I was on the bench or not involved in games and um yeah so I actually so from under 15s under 16s I started um starting in games and playing um in the academy in them academy games so that's when I sort of realized oh if you know what this is heading in, in the right direction for me this could become you know a potential career potential dream come true and then the under 18s league um I remember playing a lot during that as well and getting a lot of tries and getting a lot of good moments and um Luckily, it all just sort of, it all just fell, all fell into place really quite nicely. So um, yeah, for me, it was around the under 16s period. I thought, you know what, this could be this could this could be um, this could be my career. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously, I think was it the under? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was the under 18 season. You really had a had a storm. And then was that when you got your under 20s England call up as well at that sort of stage? Um, so when it was, I think it was the. Um, so in under 18s, I, I went into the England under 18s setup then, um, yeah. and it was in first year. It was my first year of um, my contract actually. When I was in my first year in the academy, I was lucky enough to um, get my first England under 20s cap. That then in my first year of the senior academy. So you know that was obviously an amazing experience. I was lucky enough to have all my family and um, friends there to go and watch it as well. So that was against South Africa. So, you know, it's a, it was a big country to play against, you know, it was yeah, southern outside. Um, you, you never really knew what to expect from them, but uh, we managed to win that as well. So, um, yeah, you know, that was that was unbelievable. That. Yeah, definitely. And we, we've seen you since you've come into sort of the, the senior side and uh, especially this season, putting a, a string of really good performances in and always nice to get a... Um, a real, uh, let's say, healthy win over Bath as well. It's always, uh, always yeah. nice to see. Um, we've seen nice. you move. We've seen you move from from the wing and and fullback at the moment. Is there sort of like a, a position you prefer out of the two, or you just love him playing a bit of both at the moment? You know, well, it's it's a weird it's a weird one because uh, when I was in the under 18s I was an outside centre, um, and then they moved me to the wing late late on in the um, academy year. And that's when it all sort of sort of kicked off. So, you know, for, for me, I just like being in a position where I'm going to get my hands on the ball. Um, sometimes the best place is the wing. Sometimes recently, well, recently I've started doing a little bit of fullback in training. And throughout my years in the academy, I've had to play in that position every now and then, you know, finishing off games because injuries happen and whatnot. Um, so fullback's pretty new to me, but I'm actually quite enjoy. I, I really enjoyed that experience when we're playing against Worcester. Um, 
as I said, because I felt like I was getting more more time on the ball. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's just a sort of like an exciting position to play, a bit, bit of a change up. So for me, really, um, I don't mind playing any position, really. As long as I get my hands on the ball, that's where I feel, that's where I feel happy most. Yeah, absolutely. And seeing sort of like the, in, in the first team progression through the Premiership and a little bit through the, uh, the, tra- uh, the Challenge Cup as well, we've seen um, Lloyd Evans often be, be used at 15 as sort of like a, a second a second first receiver almost coming in. Is that something yeah. that you quite like to get involved with? Obviously, ball in hand a bit more, dictating a bit of play to. I mean, yeah, mate. Like, I've, I've had a few conversations with different back three players and they were saying how, like, a full-back's a position where you can... You can be you can be a different player, but still fit fit in the shirt, still fit that role. So he's like, as as you said, Lloydie's uh, like norm, originally a ten, but he's fitted into that fifteen shirt really well. You know, he's playing he's playing some really good rugby at the moment, and um, it's great to watch. And as as you said, him stepping up at first receiver gives you two really tough attacking threats at first receiver with him on one side of the ruck, and then you got Hastings on the other. So you know, it's this is. Adds, yeah, I mean, it's, it just adds to the way we want to play and how you want to play. So for me, yeah, being fullback, any way I can get on the ball would be brilliant. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned that, talking to some of the other uh, back three boys. You're, you're a similar sort of age to me. And obviously, I know that you, you were always down um, down Kings on when, when you could be watching the games too. Yeah. But those players, sort of like Charlie Sharples, Johnny May, they're players that both of us would have grown up watching and and, and loving as sort of some of our idols. How how sort of important and, and you said earlier, living the dream. How, how how is that sort of being spending every day with those sort of boys? Yeah, I mean it's a bit. It was, it's, 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 it's like I remember being when it was my first year, walking in, seeing the likes of yeah Billy Twelvetrees, Charlie Sharples, and boys like that you remember watching, and you sort of it it, it does sort of like bring back little childhood memories, you feel like that little 10-year-old boy again, 11-year-old boy watching them again. So it's, it's, it's a weird one. Um, but as you said, like people like Johnny May and Charlie Sharples, it's just brilliant minds and brilliant brains to, to watch in training, learn from in training and pick the brain off. Um, so that's that's something I really do enjoy at the moment, is just trying to learn as much as I can from the likes of them boys. Because, yeah, like they've been, they've probably been in every big game you can think of, every situation you can think of. They've been there and done it and, We've got a tale to tell about it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's it's a it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because at the moment with, with the Gloucester squad, you've got got the boys like your Johnny Mays, your Billy Twelve Trees, who've who have, as you say been at the top doing it and got so much experience coming through. Then you've got people yeah. like yourself. You've got Alex Morgan coming through. Zam, who's made this, is just absolutely exploded onto the scene. Chapman, who's yeah. playing some of the best uh, best rugby we've seen from him. It sort of full stop it in the senior level. Having that divide, it must be so useful for for sort of the younger boys coming through. Having that having that divide for, for all positions, really. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely, mate. And I mean, it also brings great competition to the squad. You know, um, George Skimton says in training, like this is this is what he wants. He wants headaches when it comes to picking names on a team sheet. Um, and I think there's a lot of young like, there's a lot of young boys who are putting that trying to put their hand up and putting pressure on lads above them to to perform well. And as you said, like. Chappers has done really well. Stephen Varney's been doing very well. You know, it's like it's little, it's little competitions in the game like that, which um, it just creates healthy competition and drives ends up driving the whole squad forward as a whole. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, we, we touched on sort of Alex Morgan there. Um, yeah. When we've seen you come into the, the side, Alex is often in, in that side too on the opposite wing. Is that something yeah. that helps you just just as a, as a player that you're sort of used to spending those those games with? 
just sort of been on the same sort of wavelength for a few different uh, different roles. Yeah, sort of yeah you know, I've, I've played with Al for, for years now, all through Hartbury um, College, all through the under-18s leagues, you know, he's, he's, we've basically been by each other's side through a lot of uh, through a lot of the games. So it's, it's great to be able to have that sort of, you know, chemistry in the back three, you know, where when we're working off the wings, we, we sort of know where, where each other are going to fill in, where they're going to jump into the line. So it's like, it, 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 just, it just helps your confidence going into games, knowing that you know what your mate on the other side of the pitch is going to be doing and how he's going to be helping you push and pull and defences and stuff like that from the other side. So it's just, it adds confidence going into a game. And obviously being in the same position, we push each other in training as well. It's nice to have that little bit of um, it's like breath down the back of your neck. You know, we're both breathing down each other's neck all the time, um, pushing each other on and trying to spur each other on. So, you know, that's, that's what you want. As I said, it's healthy competition. It's all good, like, and um, still really, we're still very, very good mates off, off the pitch anyway. So, you know, it's brilliant. Yeah, I think I think from a supporters and um, and sort of general watchers point of view, you can really see that coming through in the Gloucester side. It's, I think it's the closest we've seen a, a bunch of Gloucester, Gloucester lads for for some time, really. There seems to be a real cohesion. That, that seems to have come in since Skivs has sort of taken the reins. What what's, what's it like in training now Skivs has come in? Um. Well, Skibbs has come in. He, he's basically said, like, if you, I think, I think it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a lot of things combined um, to create that great atmosphere. You know, when when we had a lot of we had a lot of change during COVID uh, last year, and you know, it wasn't a great year for us. So we ended up, I think, it was eleventh or something like that. Um, so you know, we went we went to the well a bit last year, and um, and you know it, it brings you closer going through a bit of a tough spell like we did last year it brings you closer as a squad and then you see during pre-season we all really grafted really hard and had a great pre-season and now you're showing you're reaping the rewards of it with a good run we were on um it just yeah i mean that always that's always gonna bring a squad together you know it's, there's just a bunch of boys who they love playing together we love playing together and it's um it's just great to see really at the moment really enjoying it yeah, and you, as I say, you can really see that in this. Well, I don't know if you'd listen to the the rugby pod, but Andy Good had your boys uh, tell it to finish last, and I think a lot of people were saying, "Oh, I'm not not too sure." And then there were some people who were also well on his side, thinking, "Yeah, maybe they will." But the the improvements that we've seen this season from from everyone are, are huge, and a lot of credit goes to Skibs, and obviously a lot of credit goes to yeah. to the boys in and around that squad. On the on the topic of change. Um, we've seen a new pitch come to to King's Home this season. We've seen a um, we've seen new training facilities come in, which which just look world class. Can you tell me a yeah. bit a bit about what what the sort of players' thoughts on that and what your thoughts are on those? Well, you know, Gloucester, we want to we want to be an expansive, fast paced side playing 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 quick rugby. You know, and there's no better there's no better surface in my opinion than the one where we're running around on. You know, um, for me, especially as a back three winger, it's like it's like running on a, on a racetrack out there. You know, you're always guaranteed a nice, fast pitch. You know, you don't have to worry about what King's Own probably was a few years ago where it was boggy, boggy down in one corner. There's puddles standing around, you know, like what it used to be. Um, and so, yeah, you're always guaranteed the same level surface. And the fact that we can train on it every day also helps going into games because it's like, you know, yeah, as I said, you know exactly what you're going to get on the day, especially lads like kick, we, when we're kicking balls, we know how the ball's going to bounce, stuff like that. Um, it's, it's, it's them little little things which give you an extra extra inch come come game there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, I think well, I watched the, some of the um, the, the Harlequins warm ups, and 
I think they they came out about 20 minutes earlier than than the Gloucester side, and I think all, all yeah. 20 minutes of that was trying to judge where the ball was going to go. And I don't think they yeah. quite grasped it through the whole through the whole warm up that they had. And obviously, yeah. what what a weapon that would be for 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 you boys running out there. Um, yeah, yeah, the training facility as well looks world class. Um, being so close to the the ground as well looks just fantastic. And I know the opportunity was there to to go around and have a tour, which is. Great for the supporters. What what does that mean to, to the boys having something in the centre of, of Gloucester as well, right next to the training uh, to to King's Home? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's brilliant. You know, we in during the pre-season, early starts of the season, we we finished training and then they we would go on a walk around um walk around the city centre because it was it was just like a it was it was again another little team cohesion thing to do. And it was just about because obviously the city of Gloucester, it, they're, they're, that's all they all they care about is the rugby. At the end of the day, you know, people work people work hard all week, and they just want Gloucester to win on the weekend. So for us, it's like it's about realizing that this club is this club's the heartbeat of the city, and um, and that our role we we have a role and a job to do to be able to put on a show every, at the end of every and uh, end of every week. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So. Yeah, and it's fantastic. The amount of uh, little little kids that I see and um, sort of standing outside Heritage waiting to go to the game and then some of the players will, will cut across walking through. And that really is, is you, you see them light up when they see their favourite players walk across and they're just starstruck. And obviously it takes you back to when you were that age, seeing, seeing the players come out for the first time. And it's just a fantastic um, atmosphere for them. And a few wins on on the bounce as well is always there. Always goes hand in hand. Yeah, that's it. Um, right, on to, on to a couple of questions. I said to you before, and this would be a good opportunity to, to stitch a couple of your teammates up. But... <laughs> <laughs> Always a good opportunity if, if you want to. Right, so we'll start off nice. We'll go for the, for the best trim at the Gloucester Rugby uh, Club. So who's got the best lid? The best lid? Um, I know it's a bit of a biased opinion because he is one of, my, one of my close mates as well. But, I mean, especially in the summer, uh, a lad, a lad, Tom Seabrook. He he, uh, he always does seem to have a great trim. He, he never leaves it longer than two weeks before he's got a new one. And then when the summer comes around, he starts putting some nice little shapes in it as well. Uh, so he he's always switching up in one way or another. You know, um, committed to the but course. Then, but at the same time, we got Billy Twelve Trees with them, the Golden Locks. You know, they're in, they're infamous, aren't they? Then uh, iconic, like, iconic, iconic. You can't change that. So. Um, so I'd say it's one of them two, mate. You know, they're very different ends of the spectrum in terms of in terms of haircuts. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it's tough. I can't can't uh, pull them two apart. I like it. I didn't even think of Billy. I think that's the that's, that's the obvious choice, isn't it, Billy, with his big uh, big luscious yeah, locks. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll flip it around as well. We'll go for the worst lid as well. Oh, oh the worst lid. Oh, that's definitely. Um, it's an academy lad called. Uh, he's, he's well. He's just been. Nom- he's just been named in England on twenty side. Matty Jones. He's got this horrible mullet at the moment. Uh, every lad who walks past him is telling him to get rid of it, but uh, he, he's not budging. He wants to grow out, and I think he's going to go with one worse as well. He's going for a rat's tail, I think. So with the um, mullet, rat's tail with the mullet. Oh no no! So he's going to shave the mullet and then get the rats. Just have a rat's tail left. Uh, but it's just um, I'm dreading the day he does that. Um, <laughs> they are. I think some look chefs a pair of chef scissors and uh, yeah, I don't think that'll last too long. But yeah, at the moment it's just oh, it's just horrible, horrible mullet. But uh, yeah, that's definitely that's got to be it. I think. And ha- has he gone through the milk challenge yet? Because it could be an idea to move it to, to half uh, season and get it gone. 
I don't think he has, you know. I don't think he has. I think that's uh, that's when I'm, yeah. There's I think a few, you've got to bring few, it forward. There's a few cuts, haircuts who are yet to grace the milk challenge, which I'm looking forward to, to uh, seeing if they did it. Because I remember seeing when Geordie Reed come into the club for the first time, I remember thinking, oh, there's no way that's going to go. Uh, but really? in fairness, he's pint, all the pints of milk and uh, and kept kept the, uh, the long dreads. So uh, that was impressive to watch. That is a good. That's that's the a prime example of when you got an incentive. You got to pull. You got to pull through with those. Hundred <laughs> percent. So move on yeah. as well. So we'll go for for the the funniest lad. A bit of a, a class clown in the changing rooms. Class clown in the uh, class clown. Um, yeah. Again, I'm gonna have to go with another close friend, Charlie Chapman. He uh, he's always he's always got something to say, whether it's good or bad. Uh, if anyone's uh, if anyone's taking the mick out of someone, it's always Chappers. Chappers is always in the middle of it somehow, uh, and he's always got a grin on his face doing it. You know, he takes a lot of enjoyment out of taking the mick out of people. So, uh, so yeah, he's definitely the class clown. I would say he's not. Yeah, sounds sounds nothing like your your, your classic scrum out yeah. jumping in and taking the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Always in there somewhere, isn't it? Always in there somewhere. Um, Right. If we go to obviously spoke about the new gym, um, new workout facilities. Who's in there the most? Who's who's spending the most time doing bicep curls in the in the mirror? So I reckon uh, there might be a few on the cards for that one. There are a few. I mean, I, I always, I I do always see Kirill knocking out a few curls. To be fair, whenever because at the moment we normally gym um, backs backs and forwards go at different times but whenever you're looking across from our, whatever us backs do whenever you look across you do see Kirill tend to tend to stand very close to the dumbbells um, looking at them and curling them every now and then so I would say it's Kirill which again isn't much of a surprise because he is an absolute animal but yeah I saw him in Heritage the other day and I definitely wouldn't want to be the guy to tell him to to stop doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah no he is absolutely ginormous and um yeah, a very scary bloke. Very scary yeah. bloke. Um, <laughs> right, so on this, and I've got a feeling that Kirill might pop up again here. If you were walking into a pub, let's say you're against your close rivals and the bath team are in there, and there's a drinking yeah. race, three on three, which three boys are you picking? You can put yourself in this one if, you're, if, you, if you feel up for it. Wow. Um, well, I definitely... It's, 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 an, it's a surprising name, but we did do a team social... A while, a while ago, and um, we did do a boat race. And George Barton actually was amazing. He really literally poured it. He poured it down. So he didn't even have to drink it. He just poured it down. So George Barton was definitely in my three there. Um, Wrong. Trying to think. I'm trying to think. Who else can chop a pint well? Jordy uh, Reed again. I've seen. I've seen. I've witnessed it. I've witnessed first time some of his. Drinking, so he's quite good, I would say. Um, and they are two different ends of the spectrum as well. If you're looking at George Reed and George Barton, they are two yeah. different ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really are. Um, but, I mean, someone's got to pay for the pints, so you've got to have, uh, you've got to have uh, a big owner in there somewhere, haven't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. Um, and then, I mean... Oh, I, I would check my, I would, I would check myself in. I'm def- I definitely know I'm missing a couple of names, but for the three, I, I mean... Any boat race, I do love getting myself on on the hands of three points. So I'll uh, I'll chuck my name in there anyway. Let's get in there, 100%. Backing yourself, I like <laughs> it. And then what 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 drink is it as well? If you, if you've all got to chop the same point, what what are you chopping? Um, 
you've got to go. I think it's got to be like a, a Peroni or something like that, you know. Like ciders, ciders are no good trying to chop, especially if they're a fresh, fresh cold one as well, you know. So I think yeah, pint of Peroni you can't go too wrong, too far wrong with that. Yeah, I'd back, I'd back that. I'd back that. I'd, I'd be half tempted to throw a Guinness in there, but I think Peroni's a solid shout, to be fair. Guinness, a solid shout. Yeah. <laughs> nice and smooth. Nice. <laughs> Bit of a meal, but it's nice and smooth. And hey, there, there is a nutrition. question. Yeah, that's it. It's an iron supplement. It's not a, <laughs> It's not used. So there's a bit of a question that gets banded around on uh, on socials quite a lot. Um, and I think that there's a few more names that need to come into there, including yourself. But obviously there's talk about Louis, uh, Louis Rizamit being, being one of the quickest. Uh, Johnny May obviously comes into that conversation. If we lined up all of the Gloucester boys, who are your top three? Who's coming in first, second and third? And in which order as well? That's important. You've got to pick the order too. Yeah. I remember, all, I remember this, it's, it's normally a big thing. Like during pre-season, we were looking at the height, like the, the, the top end speed. Like we do two different measurements of acceleration and top end speed. And I remember we were just like trying to see who, who was the fastest at accelerating. And obviously the top end was, that was the big schools, the top end speed. Um, I remember Johnny May, Johnny May, I think he's, he's he hit a 10 metre per second in pre-season. So obviously he's definitely in there. Zamet, without doubt. I think I think it's one. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it depends over a distance, but I'd say Johnny Johnny May and Zamet are going to be one slash two. I don't know who. I don't know who'd pip it. Um, Diplomatic and, answer. And then third. <laughs> the third. I'm trying to think. Who also got? I'll tell you, Chappers is a little dark horse, actually. Well, he's not dark horse anymore after the try he scored a few weeks back. He, he's got... When he, when he opens his legs up, he is also very quick. Uh, so yeah, that I was think, class, to be fair, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think after that try, I'll give, I'll give third place to Chappers. Strong. I respect that. I respect that. And to, and to be fair, as you say, that little fake kick and then go around the outside, what a, what a move that was. That's filthy, yeah. That's filthy, that, yeah. yeah I mean... That's straight out. Oh yeah, that's straight out of the uh, straight out of the scrapbook. That one, isn't it? He's tried it a couple of times in training. And thought, yeah, you know what, that'll work. <laughs> yeah, that was strong. It's always nice to sit on the next Gloucester boy as well. Seeing it. Oh, uh, isn't it? yeah, let's have that <laughs> message after. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. But yeah, that's that's absolute class, mate. And that's that's all I've uh, all I've got for you there. So thanks so much for coming on. And um, no worries. Best of luck for you, but for the end of the uh, rest of your season. I say we're not even halfway through yet, but best of luck Absolutely. for you. Lovely. Cheers. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers. So, yeah, big thanks to, to Jake Morris on that one for uh, for joining us on. And um, some interesting answers there. Who knew George Barton could chop a point like that? Who knew? I wouldn't. I wouldn't have pinned it down. But there we go. Um, he doesn't look the, the type, does he? He doesn't. But fair play to him. Uh, what a surprise! But for, yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to challenge him. That's that's me told now. So if I ever see him in a bar, I'm not going to challenge him to a um, to a boat race because I will is, get. Is absolutely... that what you do? You see people in bars. You just walk up to them and ask, "Do you want to fancy chopping that pint quicker than me?" <laughs> I don't. But seeing off a. Uh, Seeing off a WKD with a plastic straw, that's common. I've had a couple of those when I'm out in Gloucester. Yeah. Oh, yeah. remember when our mate did it when he drank through the straw? 
<laughs> doesn't tend to work that way. Doesn't tend to work that way. <laughs> but I am unbeaten. I don't want to brag, but I am unbeaten. So maybe that's what I'll challenge him to instead. But um, but yeah, no fair play, and uh, he's got a, a huge career ahead of him, and um, a fantastic talent, and really good to see him coming through. So um, yeah, big thanks to to Jake for doing that. Uh, it's really appreciated. Um, Wish Lewis reached out his own stairs, and he'll be sorted. That's that's the, that's the play. That is the play. Um, <laughs> right. So time to put you on the spot, Seagrave, as per. I think it's my favourite time of of each episode, um, where I get to put you on the spot and see you uh, yeah, see you panic. Um, Friday, seventh of January, nineteen forty-five. Um, that's the time, not the yeah. year. Um, I was Going back. <laughs> uh, Bristol Bears versus Sale Sharks at Ashton Gate. What do you reckon? I'm going to go for. That's quite a tough choice, you know. That's quite a tough fixture to call. Very difficult. Um, I'm going to go for a Bristol win, I think. I think you look, uh, they played Leicester under the lights, didn't they, at Ashton Gate, and they nearly won. So I think. That this will be like the turning point for Bristol, and that they'll get the win. But I could be wrong, and it could be Sale kicking on. I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. But I'm going to go for Bristol. Their expansive play and Redrada to get a brace. Redrada to get a brace, putting in scorers as well, bringing a whole new dynamic. I, I like it. I like it. Right, Quinns versus Exeter at the Stoop. Uh, Quinns. Uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, Unless the weather is awful and X to make it really gritty and horrible, then I could see X to maybe win it. But I think Quinns will probably do. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Newcastle versus Northampton Saints at Kingston Park. I think that one's got a little bit more to it than meets the eye, you know. Uh, no, Northampton. I think Northampton want to come back after a couple of tough games. Newcastle are really out of form. Um, I think New- Northampton really want to push on and and they'll probably be on the back of having a bit of a hiding after the last couple of weeks. So I'd imagine they'll uh, try and target this one to really crack back into form. Okay, okay. Um, Saracens versus Gloucester at the Stonex Stadium. Sarries. I know Gloucester have been in good form, but Gloucester never travel well at Sarries ever. And anyone does today. Hey? Uh, eh? I don't think anyone really does, do they? No, I know, but Gloucester seem to lose quite heavily nearly every time they go. Um so yeah, I'd go Sarries and I don't think it'll be that close. I think that they'll comfort- quite comfortably beat them. Uh I'm not like I think it'll be about like say 30, 30, 17, something like that, but fairly comfortable. Okay, appreciate it. If the score finishes at 30, 17, I'll be very impressed. Um, so, Sarri's on that one. Um, Wasps versus Leicester at the Coventry Building Society Arena. You've got to go for Leicester, haven't you? Um, yeah, I can't see Wasps putting up too much resistance. Uh, that's, not, that's not fair. Um, Wasps will be... You have been horrible today. You have just no, been like everyone love, off. But I mean, I can't see. Yeah, I can't see Leicester losing. Um, Wasps obviously still without Umanga. I think Wasps will score a couple of tries, but I think Leicester will uh, beat them. 
Fair enough, fair enough. And then Bath versus Worcester. I'll tell you what. It's at the wreck as well, if that... Uh, it does, but will Bath play? Do we obviously Irish got cancelled or postponed? Was it Irish's fault or Bath's fault? It was Bath, I believe, that that called that one off. So Bath could call this off again, and even if they don't, they'll probably be without some players, which will lead me to believe Worcester. But I think they'll be really. If it goes ahead, I think Bath will be really, really focused on this one, thinking this is a big one which we can really win and get our first win. Um, obviously, Worcester are down there struggling as well. be interesting um, to see um, if Sam Underhill is out for a large stretch as well after his injury at, um, at Gloucester. What happened to him? Because I thought he went off with a concussion because I thought he got knocked out. I think he did, but I think it was his neck that was the area of concern because he sort of went head on straight into a Geordie Reed hit, which tends to be not a good place to put your head or neck or anything well, really. No, he definitely got knocked out because the way he, or well, the way he, he fell did. on the floor. I, I think he did, yeah. He just, yeah, he's never coming back on. Um, yeah, if Underhill doesn't play, I think that was talk about the Gloucester game. I think that was a big turning point. Um, Underhill seemed to be the one that was causing a bit of problems. Obviously, he went off in about the 10th minute. But, um, yeah, I think after Underhill went off, again, he has been the player, I think, of the few bar players who can hold their head up. I think maybe Max Ajomo, um, Orlando Bailey, maybe Tom de Glanville at times. But apart from that, not, not many. Oh, ben Spencer, when he's played, he's been very good. Um, not many bar players can really say they've, they've really done themselves proud this season, but I think he, he is one. Um, I, so, I don't know. I think Bath might get their first win. I just have a feeling. Fancy it, do you? Fancy it. Yeah, I think if it depends. If Spencer plays, yes. If Spencer doesn't play, no. Okay. Okay, okay. Um, I think the, it's tough, isn't it? Because Worcester haven't looked that bad over the recent weeks. Um, yeah, obviously, the Surrey's was a bit... Um, they don't get results away from home, do they, Worcester? Not very often. They did have a positive result at home to Wasps, which was a, a good result yeah, for them. Away, I can't see them. Uh, it, I don't know. It, we've seen flashes of Duan van der Merwe. That sounds weird. But we haven't really seen him... Do you? Before. That's an exclusive. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think... Now, I'm, I'm going to go with Bath to maybe get that first W, but I could see the game getting cancelled, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Ben Spencer. We were say you were saying earlier on about Harry Randall. How Ben Spencer's not in the England setup? He is. He should be starting. I think, in my opinion, he is bloody incredible. Um, yeah, I think that's probably fair. You know, I, I think it'd be tough to throw anyone out of the um, anyone in front of Ben Youngs at the moment. Um, based on one his performances then based on two Eddie Jones is obviously a big fan um but I yeah I, I'd probably agree with that Ben Spencer is a is a, a really class if you act could take three scrum halves to England who would you take I know this is a bit off topic then. <laughs> for when for for six nations for six nations this year I'd probably go Ben Young for, so you're taking three I take Ben take Youngs three. I yeah. take Harry Randall and yeah. I take Rafi Quirk yeah, but 
maybe if if everyone's fit as well. Sorry, if everyone's okay. fit, that's mm. tough. That's tough. I I think Dan Robson's obviously in the mix. Um, yeah, Ben Spencer for me. It's got to be. I'll take Ben Spencer, Dan Robson, and Harry Randall. Don't take Ben Youngs. Nah, that's outrageous, James. He's been good, but he's a bit boring. The thing is, though, it's experience, isn't it? You could, those you're almost setting those youngsters up to fail if you bring them through as only youngsters in their position. You need at least one like proper experienced ben, head ben in there. Isn't the youngster and neither's Dan Robson though, are they? They just haven't got many caps for England, but they're not youngsters. Mm. I, I appreciate they're not youngsters, but how many caps has, have they had for? Well, I'm pretty sure Ben Youngsters had more caps than both of them combined. Combined though. Well, yeah, easily because Dan Robson's got about five. Exactly. I don't has Ben Spencer got one or he's got one or two maybe whereas Ben Youngs is like the most capped player ever isn't he also he's like getting on that way yeah probably true um I don't know man I, I take Ben Youngs just literally even if you don't play him just because of experience but I, I think you probably start him and then bring on sort of like a firecracker in in um Randall or Rafi Quirk and I think they both yeah. sort of fill the same sort of mantle don't they that's why I think that if you've got Ben Spencer, he can do the game management side, but he's also explosive, like Rafi Quirken. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from Ben Spencer. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, I just think if you look in, if if you look into the future as well, and seeing this Six Nations as an opportunity to build, you put an experienced head in there with two of your youngsters who are who are going to come through. Yeah. But then on the on the flip side, is Ben Young's going to be in the World Cup? I don't think so. I don't know. Knowing Eddie Jones, probably he'll probably bring back Tom Youngs to play as well. And Dan he's Carl. only thirty-two, so he'll be about thirty-three at the time, won't he? Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I think that's probably fair. I think that'll probably be his last World Cup. I think it's probably fair. Yeah, unless he's playing when he's 37, 38. <laughs> True. Fair. But so just to just to recap on those um on those predictions that you've um you've just given us um so you are going for bears at home to sharks yep Quinns at home to Exeter yep Northampton away at Falcons yep Surrey's at home to Gloucester mm-hmm. uh, Leicester away to Wasps yep. and Bath at home to Worcester. Yeah, a nice four-two split home away. Yeah, I think I actually agree with you with all of those. All of those. I, th- I think maybe Worcester will get a win. But so you don't know. agree with me then? <laughs> yeah, nearly all of those. I think nearly all of those. Yeah, I think I think I think all of those, but I think I've got queries on that one. I also wouldn't be too surprised if Falcons put performance up against Saints. I think Saints will clutch it. But I wouldn't be too surprised if Falcons. Um, well, I wouldn't be surprised if Sale beat Bristol. That'd be the one I'm most conf- like. If I was going to say one, I got wrong. I think it'd be Sale will beat Bristol. Yeah, I think home advantage. I think Bristol are gonna gonna bring it hard to to um to Sale. Pardon? But <laughs> that's what she said. Um, hey. <laughs> on that note, um, I think it's time to uh, to end the podcast on this one. So uh, thank you all very much for listening. And just remember, every ten o'clock. Um, 10 a.m. on Fridays, uh, a podcast will be out um, talking about all things rugby and hopefully more and more player interviews coming to you soon. So again, thanks to Jake Morris. Thanks to you, James Seagrave, and um, see you next time.
Goodbye. Thank you.